If you're an entrepreneur, you know what it means to take personal and financial risks, create jobs that support your community, and devote most of your time to your business. But do you know how to plan for a successful exit from your business? Do you know who should be involved in creating your succession or transition plan and the steps along the way? Welcome to Finish Big, the podcast with Mark Dorman from Legacy Business Advisors. The podcast theme is inspired by critically acclaimed business author, Bo Burlingham, author of Finish Big, how great entrepreneurs exit their companies on top. In this podcast, you'll hear success stories of exit plans done right and pick up practical tips based on years of legacy business advisors' expertise and knowledge about the largest and most important financial transaction of your life. Now, on to the show. Good day. This is Mark Dorman, your host of the Finish Big Podcast, and today I am uh, joined by a really sharp young individual. You're going to really like his story and that of the Exit Planning Institute. Scott Snyder is our guest today. Scott is the president of the Exit Planning Institute, or what we in the industry call EPI, uh, and the operating partner of Snyder Premier Growth, which is a small family investment company. Scott is a nationally recognized industry leader, speaker, growth specialist, and lifetime entrepreneur. Interestingly enough, folks, he uh, he launched his first business at age 17. As an exited business owner himself, Scott's passion is helping business owners create significant companies while aligning their personal financial plans and helping their the owners find and tap their personal purpose. He and his EPI team achieved this through educating professional advisors who surround the business owners during a very difficult journey exiting their business, creating not only significant companies, but significant teams and significant outcomes. Outside of business, Scott is very active in the Northeast Ohio community. He serves on various boards, including America's Scores, Cleveland, and the Entrepreneur and Innovation Program at his alma mater, St. Edward High School. Scott is a former professional indoor soccer player and team owner of a major arena soccer team uh, in the MASL. Scott Snyder, welcome to Finish Big, and thank you for joining us. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Really take me down memory lane during that bio, man. <laughs> so we got a couple <laughs> Northeast Ohio uh, folks here. Uh, before we get to uh, the content of our show, Scott, we're all delighted by the Browns' first win over the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. Uh, the Browns, as we record this, ladies and gentlemen, uh, are going to be kicking off tonight at about 820 on national TV. So us as diehard uh, and long-suffering Browns fans are uh, very, very keen to see the outcome. But let's get down to work here, Scott. Uh, you exited your first business at 24. What uh, That makes me think either a lemonade stand, landscaping company, lawn care service. How did that work? Yeah, bingo. I had uh, like the childhood dream, right? I uh, talk about soccer. I played a lot, of, a lot of soccer when I was in high school, really growing up, right? And I could never get, I would say, your traditional high school kid's job, right? Flipping burgers, bagging groceries, moving shopping carts. I was a janitor for a short time, but when I would go in to get a job, I would have, you know, different weekends I could work and not work and, and all that whatnot because I was traveling to play. And so I ended up saying, I'm going to just not do that. I'm going to throw a lawnmower in the back of a Ford Taurus sedan and call myself a landscaper. Well, little did I know at the time when I was 16 or 17 years old that that would turn into a pretty robust business. So I ended up going to college for a year, Mark, dropping out of that to focus on my business and was able to really grow that. And uh, in 2010 was bought by, yeah, what we would consider a kind of a strategic buyer, a, a competitor that really liked our people process, 
our equipment, our clients, and, and the way we approach the landscape construction and design space. So I took the deal and, uh, and here we are. So, yeah. so yeah, I uh, had the childhood uh, landscaping company for sure. Wow. Great. Great. How, uh, how many accounts did you have back then? Do you recall? Yeah. So we concentrated, the company was called MS Connection Landscaping. So me and my buddy, Mike, uh, made a good connection. So that's why we called it MS Connection Landscaping. But we ended up, when I dropped out of college, we really focused on, re refocused the business on what we would call companies that, or clients that really use their image to sell their product. So we did high-end apartment and townhomes. We did like nursing homes and, and, and facilities like that, big home developments with a big luxury homes and other businesses. We had a big Marriott hotel chain that was here in town that we had that. So I don't know, we probably had north of 35 or 40 accounts, but intentionally small so that we could spend a lot of time. And, and we, at the time we're getting paid what we would consider top dollar to work with these larger accounts. So, uh, but it was pretty robust. We had probably 15 employees, seven trucks and trailers and all that good oh. stuff. So, and maybe another dozen seasonal workers that would join us. So you actually, you ditched the Taurus sedan for pickup trucks. Is that right? Yeah. I went from like four, a red Ford Taurus sedan <laughs> to a used two wheel drive Dodge Dakota truck. And then finally made the big splash and was able to invest some like, we would have like, we had all kinds. It was like a childhood dream, right? I used to, I, I was a kid like with Tonka trucks yeah. playing in the dirt and sand. So yeah. yeah, man, we had like a Ford S750 dump truck, big 18, 20 foot trailers, F350. So yeah, we graduated all the way or evolved all the way from that Ford Taurus sedan. So yeah, we, it was a good run. It was a good one. I, I learned a lot That's during great. that time. Terrific story. Terrific story. The, uh, Thanks. So let's uh, let's kind of fast forward. I've been with you and your dad. I uh, see the way you guys really uh, have a really, really good, phenomenal relationship. You seem to get a lot of energy off of one another. How long have you, have you worked with your dad, Chris, and uh, how did that all start? Yeah, I mean, so we get this question asked a lot. So I would say that when I started, I, I would go all the way. My dad would tell the story, Mark, and he would say it goes all the way back till Scott was like a little kid. He would have me polish his shoes. And that was probably my first business. My dad used to travel a lot for like Price Waterhouse and would always be in suits. So when he would come home, I'd ask if he, I could polish shoes for five bucks. Mm -hmm. And so I would say we started seriously working together when I started that landscaping company. I leaned on him a lot for mentorship and, and leadership. And I leaned on him a lot for the bank. So when I landed my first commercial account, I couldn't get a loan. I was too young, didn't have any credit. Uh, but I needed the equipment. So it gave me a loan to go buy my first truck and commercial lawnmower and then kind of sat on the board. And back then in my early 20s and young and, and older teens, I used him as what we would all call right the gray haired effect. So when, when mm -hmm. I was a kid walking in there, some of these larger accounts couldn't believe that there was like a 20 year old kid sitting in front of them. So I bring dad in, even though he knew very little about the green <laughs> industry, it would give them like a person sitting across his age. Yeah. It would give him, you know, a, a, a sense of, of, of maturity, a higher level of comfort, huh? a higher level of comfort. And then when I, I sold that, I, I partnered with my dad to kind of come into Aspire management and run business development with him. And then we truly came into business together as partners when we bought EPI would have been in 2012. Mm -hmm. So you could say that dad and I've been hanging out probably since I've been 15 in business together and then truly became partners in, in, in 2012. And so I've been doing that for 10, 11 years. Yeah. So take us back to 2012. What, what was the kind of the road 
towards EPI, had your yeah. dad. I know your dad was one of the first uh, original CEPAs, and I know this because yeah. we share a mutual friend and Dr. Craig West from Sydney, Australia. Yeah. I believe he told me that your dad, Chris, and Craig were in the same class. But yeah. how did it come to pass that you ended up taking, which was really a, a startup, not only a startup business yeah. in EPI, but really a burgeoning industry and get this aha moment like, hey, Pops, I think we should buy this place. Yeah, yeah. So after I sold EPI, and, and probably maybe some listeners of the show can can understand, I, I suffered from what a lot of owners suffered, this like loss of identity. It was my earliest exit planning lesson. And I sold my landscaping company and honestly immediately regretted it because I didn't know really what I was going to do next. Now, dad is and, and, and was back then a certified exit planning advisor. And as I went through that transition and then got my time open back up, I, uh, I, I, he had him and his business partner at the time, Andy said, Scott, can you come into our firm where we were doing value growth and M&A work as certified exit planning advisors? And can you uh, help us grow this company like you did your, your company, your landscaping company? So I, I came into that and quickly realized maybe two things. Number one, uh, even in my own exit, the team was in different angles, right? It was, uh, my CPA was here, my dad was here, my attorney was here, and we really didn't have anybody focusing on the personal. And then on the, fl on the flip side, what my dad had created, what I saw in his Aspire management firm was, if you rewind back to 2008, when he became a SEPA, they were teaching a lot of philosophy and concepts. And I think for many SEPAs coming out of the class, they said, wow, that was informative, perhaps even transformational. It's making me think in a different way, makes me understand business owners in a different way. No one knew how to go out and do it. So how do you take these concepts and philosophies and actually put them to action? What dad had created and probably likely from his time in growing larger corporations and then in, in the lower middle market and his time at Price Waterhouse, he put those concepts in kind of a three-gated process that we now call the value acceleration methodology. And he was using that methodology to consult with lower middle market business owners. And as dad and I started hanging out, we both had a passion of helping owners exit uh, a company more successfully, more what we call it a more significantly. And we said two things. We said, one, all of these players that surround the owner, all these team members, they all approach exit planning in different ways and rarely communicate across the board. That true? And two, uh, the owners are still struggling with how the hell do you, you know, do this stuff. It sounds good, but let me, how do I make it a part of my daily jive? Mm -hmm. And so we looked at the exit planning Institute. In fact, Mark, we looked at a bunch of different companies. We looked at like a fitness facility. Uh, we looked at a, like a, like a publishing company and dad really loved teaching and speaking. And I thought, and we thought the opportunity was really in bringing a market together. And if we could get business advisors around one methodology, one core belief, then take them into owners, we could really create a difference. So uh, Pete and Rich were the guys that founded and started EPI, were looking to sell EPI. They were uh, investment bankers. And so EPI had gotten to a point where they said, look, it's it's much more than what we anticipated and frankly, what we want to do. Our, our focus is on our M&A practice. And me and dad looked at each other and said, look, we think we have the methodology. Uh, to your point, it was almost still in its, in its infancy. And we thought that um, we could help move a market. And, and rather than working directly with business owners, we wanted to work with, with business advisors. And we thought if we could have good advisors surround owners, that's really truly where we could create some change and, and take some action. So we flew to Chicago, met with Pete and Rich, were able to strike a deal right then and there. We had 120 
members at that point. We have 5,000 members now. Wow. So 5,000 uh, graduates, correct? Well, more than that, of graduates, we have 5,000 active certified exit planning advisors wow. in the market today. Okay. Back then, they had 120. So yeah, we made the move. And in the fall of 2012, we, we bought EPI and, and uh, let the year kind of run through before we started making some changes in, in 2013. But it was really around a passion for helping owners and seeing an opportunity of there wasn't a lot of alignment in an industry and in a profession. So we mm -hmm. thought we could bring that. And I think that we have. I, I certainly yeah, think well, that. Yeah, well, it's no question. I mean, I, it, yep, yep. And our guest today is Scott Snyder, president of the Exit Planning Institute. Scott and his dad, Chris, bought it in 2012 and really, uh, really put a stake in the ground in between uh, uh, themselves to, to really claim uh, this space. So today you've got 5,000 SEPAs. I was just out in uh, yep. Phoenix, Phoenician. I think I heard your dad yep. say our goal is to get 10,000 Let's let's kind of shift our conversation a little bit and talk to me if I as if I'm a business owner, the value of working with a SEPA, uh, the value acceleration methodology, and what I've seen that uh, EPI uh, and some of your 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 competitors out there have really uh, helped to bridge the gaps between professional advisors, the the attorneys, the accountants, the bankers. They all have this. You know, SEPAs have a certain cachet. They know. Yeah. Uh, they're they're known for they're known for be playing well in the sandbox, et cetera, and kind of moving things along. Can you kind of just touch on that for us? Yeah, yeah. I think the, one of the hardest parts for maybe the business owner to understand first is that a SEPA comes in many different shapes and sizes, right? So you have SEPAs that are financial advisors, you have SEPAs that are investment bankers, CPAs, attorneys, life coaches. So really, regardless of what discipline or expertise they have, what it means to be a SEPA is you're spot on. I think that they're known for bringing a transformational methodology to a business that helps an owner like live a more value acceleration centric lifestyle. Mm -hmm. They're known for bringing people together, they're connectors, they're collaborators. And I think they're known for being innovators and creator and, and, and creative folks, really, again, helping shape not just an owner's business, but blending that with their business, personal and financial goals. So although, again, they come from different angles, when you're a SEPA, that means that you understand what it takes to really align business, personal, and financial goals. You understand what it takes to grow a more significant company, one that's valuable, transferable, ready, and attractive that sells for a high multiple. Uh, and you're known for kind of bringing that team together. So what we talk about today in EPI is living a more value acceleration-centric lifestyle, which mm -hmm. is, is value-based, not just income-based, and also takes into account the kind of whole being of who a business owner is business, mm -hmm. personal, and financial. Mm -hmm. So have you seen in the, uh, the, the now 21, almost 22 years that you've been uh, at the helm of EPI, have you seen the industry change or, it, 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 and when I say change, not necessarily the methodology, but yeah. it seems to be, there are more boomers. We all know the data, yeah. you know, the millions and tens of millions of business owners that are going to exit, but there doesn't seem to be you know, it's 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 still a hard nut to crack a business owner, right? Getting access, gaining access, getting them to yeah. I like to say to my team, getting them to kind of drop their gloves like a boxer and let them let them yeah. be advised. Right. And let them ask some tough questions. Have you seen uh, that uh, kind of plight lesson, if you will? Yeah, it's interesting uh, that you talk about this. We just completed two state of owner readiness surveys, one in the state of Minnesota and one in L.A. County both places where we've have a pretty heavy EPI presence. And so 
you know, there's probably a whole show you could do on this, Mark, because I do. I see it changing in both the next generation of owners. So people will say in their 40s and 50s. And I certainly see it changing in the baby boomer business owners. I think both generations in today in 2023, much more open to having exit planning based conversations. Mm -hmm. But I also think the approach is a little bit different. I think our advisors are learning that it's not transactional, it's relationship oriented. We always say that I think we're trained as advisors and maybe for a long time, business owners have wanted us to just give them the right answer. But when you're talking to them about their business, their exit and the next phase of their life and how it all relates to them, we have to be asking them the right questions and listening. And I think there are, that our advisors, at least the certified exit planning advisors, we're trained in a way that allows us to go do that, which opens up better conversations. So to your point, I think the baby boomers are more gloves up and letting their gloves down a little bit naturally yep. because that are there are they're they're kind of approaching not that retirement age per se, but that age of ah, you know, I've done this for thirty years. Maybe it's time to do something next. I have grandkids. I maybe want to be more of a coach and mentor. I have other things going on in my in my life and. You know, I've made a good chunk of money now. Let's let's see if we could turn this into some value and, and maybe so I could go do something else. I think that pandemic has changed the way they're thinking. I think age and health and economy are things that are on baby boomers mind. I think the average boomer is 67. And yeah. an EMY study last year said that the average family business owner, at least, starts thinking about transition at the age of 62. So I think we're there. Now, when you look at the people in their 40s and 50s, though, at least generationally, you look at their characteristics, I think they're a little bit more open. If you're a person in your 40s and early 50s, you believe naturally in kind of this work-life balance, you value your time, you're probably a little bit conservative in the way you spend or, or save your money. And so naturally, this you're almost looking for this blend and balance of how do I be an entrepreneur, but how do I be a dad? Or how do I yep. be a volunteer or whatever else is in your life? So that crowd is is interesting. The state of unreadiness to surveys has showed us, we did one there in 2017, have now conducted one in 2023. The biggest stat that I'd share out of that, and these will debut here at the end of the year, when we asked the owners uh, in 2017, uh, how much attention have you given your exit strategy? One of the answers they can select is, it's my top priority. So in the state of Minnesota, Minnesota in 2017, only 6% said it was their top priority. This year, 28%. Yeah. And so I just I mean, think that's, that. That's like almost right? a four, you know, four, four it's, turn. It's, it's extremely different. And I think it's a testament to, frankly, folks like you in the industry that are out there educating and working with owners. I think that mm. awareness of exit planning 20 years later today is just much more in your face than it's ever been. And there's much more education and events and books and all that podcasts and all kinds of stuff at owners' fingertips that they can immerse themselves in. So pretty passionate, if you can't tell about the change that we actually oh, yeah, are yeah. seeing. And and I think that how the gloves are coming down a little bit in a good way. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So how big is your team today at EPI? And uh, let's uh, let's take a few minutes to talk yeah. about where you see EPI going. Uh, are there other verticals that you seek to explore? Um, what are your thoughts there, you and your dad? Yeah, man, it... Uh, it's always interesting because we're business owners ourselves, right? So we're living our own methodology. I can tell you today, my biggest challenge is the complexity of my company, right? Just like many owners, you're hitting that, you're hitting that, that, that point, that milestone where we'll, we'll add our 30th employee likely by the start of next year. So we're hiring five people now. So that'll take us to about 27, 28, I think. Mm -hmm. And then we'll probably hit 30 as we really get through the, the first quarter of, of 2024. 
So we have a pretty big team, a lot more than me and dad when we first bought it in 2012. Uh, to your point, you said it earlier, we'd like to get to 10,000 certified exit planning advisors in the market. I think that's where we really start to see some impact and the, the knowledge gain that owners and advisors are like. I think we'll really start to see uh, the needle move in the, in, the right in, in the right direction. Vertical wise, I think that also a challenge. I think many people know EPI for our certified exit planning advisors, but what they don't realize is that we actually have 15,000 individual advisors that interact with EPI each year. They listen to the podcast, they attend webinars, they go to the summit event, they, they interact in our chapter network, which is now about almost 30 chapters large. We just launched Orlando, we're about to launch the Boston chapter. And so really what when you look at the certified exit planning advisors plus the advisors that hang out with EPI, we have an impact of about 20,000 or, or really a, 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 a platform of 20,000. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it's a formidable community. No question. I it was is. very, very impre uh, impressed at the Phoenician and uh, just at uh, <laughs> the number of yeah, interesting right? uh, occupation. Like you say, there's just, you know, SEPAs come in all different shapes and sizes and they come from all over the country, which is really, really cool. Uh, Talk to us about what what is your 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 most significant accomplishment? Would you feel within EPI? Is it the five thousand SEPAs? Is uh is it uh, looking out towards? Is it thirtieth employee? I mean, what? It seems it got That's a lot bigger a than you guys question. had imagined, right? <laughs> That's uh, it's way bigger than I think me and Dad originally imagined. Though you know, you kind of base it off like CFPs who have yeah. I think just hit their hundredth, one hundredth, a hundred thousand members. I guess I should say. But I would say maybe a maybe a couple of things come to mind. Number one, that 2020 pandemic pivot, I think, was huge for our company in many ways, ways that you probably all feel, but maybe affect us a little bit more internally. And yeah, let me let me just touch on that for a minute, because yeah. I happen to be in the very first class yeah. of the yeah. pandemic. So as I'm sitting here in the same den that I'm recording our show this afternoon, uh, I said, all right, well, we're kind of locked down for the next half a year and, and uh, all of a sudden, boom, your email lights up and it's uh, the Exit Planning Institute with their first virtual class. I was like, <laughs> this would be fantastic. Now, you know, I've been in the exit planning space for many, Long many time. years prior yeah. to that, but I'm like, I'm going to, I want to check this out. And oh man, was a, was I not only impressed with the production of your first class, I thought you guys just knocked it out of the park, but the Thank content you. I kept saying then to my members, uh, my friends in uh, Legacy Advisors Network and Joe Scheid and others, I said, you guys yeah. have got to attend this class, my, my friends, men and women, because it touches on everything from accounting, financial, psychology, capital markets. If you want to go in and talk to a business owner, you really need to have a full understanding of all you know the plates that they're spinning from so many different angles. So, I mean, hats off to you right there. I thought that Thank was an you. amazing accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, it was. And that transformed really your business, that. didn't it? That really transformed your business. It really did. It's so interesting, right? Because uh, we were going at a really good tick. We were having about 80, 85 people in SEPA program. We're hosting nine SEPA programs per year and all in person, right? Everything that mm -hmm. we did was in person. Then in 20, March of 2020, we had to cancel three programs in, the wall, in, in a row, March, April, May because we couldn't have people gather in person or no one was traveling at all, right? It's the heat, the kind of the start of the pandemic. So it did. I and mean, now uh, it's lowered the price point. So it's a lot more palatable, I think, for people. You don't have to sit in a classroom from 7.30 to 5 every single day, five days a week. You don't have the travel costs either, right? So the whole price point has gone down. 
And now, yeah, we do 11 programs a year with 150 people in a program. But from a business owner's perspective, it's allowed us to scale our business. So we have a SEPA program going on right now, Mark, mm-hmm. and I don't have to be there, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody's in a virtual classroom and there's a there's a three-layered learning process that I'm only involved in layer three. And it also allows, and I don't even need to be involved. We have different facilitators, so I could travel and do other stuff and scale the business other other ways or get more personal time back because I'm not locked down in a facility from 7.30 to 5 like it used to be. So yeah, I mean, it's just, totally change the way that we do business and, and think about our reach of who we can be at, at EPI and what we could be for advisors. Yeah. Now, so EPI, uh, I know we've got our mutual friend, Craig West and others down yeah. under, uh, is yeah. it, is it global in scope yeah. internet? I mean, so talk yeah, to us, it share, share with our audience, uh, how large a net is EPI casting these days? Yeah. So if you looked at those 15,000 advisors, they're pretty much here in at least North America between Canada and, and the United States. If you looked outside, I think there's maybe 500 or so people that are sprinkled through about 13 other countries. The next biggest market being Australia, mm-hmm. who've always, I think that even since the start of EPI, have always been progressive thinking and really business owner focused. But outside of that, you really got a sprinkling between those, if you take out Australia, then you have like a, another dozen countries that, that we're in, but primarily here in the United States, but we do have, and the virtual program has allowed us to attract people from all over the world. Um, our next biggest challenge is taking the content and making it uh, more relatable to business owners in XYZ country, right? Because tax code, the different exit options, they're slightly different in obviously different countries. So certainly an opportunity to really expand uh, internationally with with content that's relatable to the people within the country that they're taking. Yeah, and I was talking to uh, Daryl Bate, Bates uh, Brownsword, uh, who runs Succession Plus for UK, and he, yeah, he was sharing right. with me, you know, just some of the challenges that the UK has because they're probably where the US was ten years ago as far as overall awareness. So, sure, uh, you're starting to see, you know, even these much more older company or uh, established economies like the UK. Uh, kind of get with it, so to speak, as far as exit planning and exit strategy. Uh, so it, it really, really is interesting. Um, this has been great, Scott. I would like really much to uh, ask if we can get uh, you and your dad and really roll yeah. up our sleeves uh, and have a bit of a round table. But uh, Love that. I want to thank you, Scott. I want to thank uh, the Exit Planning Institute and the community that you've created because your dad, uh, you and your dad and your team have done a, a really good job there. And hats off to you for continued success. Uh, this has been Mark Dorman, your host of the Finish Big podcast. Here's to finishing big, and thank you, Scott Snyder. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed listening to Finish Big, the podcast with Mark Dorman from Legacy Business Advisors. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes are available. Learn more at LegacyBusinessAdvisors.com or call 330-350-5410. Please be aware the information in these podcasts represent the views and opinions of our guests and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of legacy business advisors. The content is for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional tax or legal advice. Always seek the advice of your legal or tax professional with any questions regarding your specific situation.